Welcome to CrewCast, the crew network podcast that features top thought leaders in commercial real estate, shares important industry insight, and inspires change. Welcome to our CrewCast Leadership Series, which profiles commercial real estate professionals at all stages of their careers across diverse disciplines and roles in the industry. These women have taken risks to overcome barriers, they've achieved unprecedented success, and made a significant impact on the industry. And excited today that I'm speaking with Sarah Abrams, who is Senior Vice President of Global Real Estate for Iron Mountain. And Sarah is no stranger to crew. She was honored as our Crew Network Distinguished Leader in 2015 and uh, has been involved in crew and committed to our mission uh, for all the years that we've been around. And so I welcome Sarah to uh, to the show today, to the podcast. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you very much. Well, let's get started and talk about the business of Iron Mountain and leadership. So Iron Mountain is the global leader for storage and information management services with a real estate network of more than 90 million square feet across more than 1,450 facilities in 55 countries. You were hired by Iron Mountain in 2012 to globalize the firm's corporate real estate function. What are some of the opportunities and challenges uh, that you've lived and learned from in leading and scaling this kind of of global expansion. Well, uh, thanks for the thanks for the question. Uh, you know, in 2012, when I was hired in January of 2012 um, by Iron Mountain, Iron Mountain had a uh, portfolio of at the time uh, a little less than 60 million square feet, far fewer facilities, and in 36 countries. Uh, So we have grown substantially uh, since that time. In addition, in 2012, when I was hired, Iron Mountain was not a REIT. And today we are a REIT. And that conversion took place uh, during the time that um, uh, I have been there. So uh, let me say this. First of all, when I was hired, and I do think this is important for for everybody when they're starting a new position, uh, when I was hired... uh, I had a lot of interviews on the way in, and I I sort of distilled down what the two kind of key things that I was being asked to do when I came there. And one, you absolutely have in here, and to globalize and integrate the firm's corporate real estate function, because basically it was a bunch of separate functions, each reporting into various P&Ls around the world. But the second one which in a way was even more uh, important to the company, was to transform what was perceived by the business as a function, first of all, disparate function, that was very reactive and tactical into a function that was a strategic partner to the business. So for me, um, there there were a lot of um, opportunities for me to uh, leverage all of the experiences that I had uh, throughout my career. Some of the challenges that we had uh, in the beginning were that the, uh, that the uh, organization had never been integrated. There was no muscle memory of working uh, in that way. There were no uh, platforms or systems that allowed us to see the real estate the way a real estate person would want to see it. So we had some technology and financial platform uh, issues uh, uh, in that regard. And we also had a situation where the company was growing and it was growing internationally, but we didn't have any 
people there. The people were all sitting in um, in uh, North America. The other big uh, learning for me and challenge for me was our conversion to a REIT, which we as a real estate team were right in the middle of. So the analysis around uh, whether we would become a REIT, uh, the actual process of uh, the actual process of converting to a REIT and through all of that, uh, that effort, you don't often get a chance in your career to experience something like that and be there from, from the beginning uh, as something converts into this. So it was a, a huge learning experience and a great opportunity. Yeah. Well, and that's a great segue into my next question about, you know, this year has been a year of of panic and pivot uh, for many sectors in commercial real estate. However, industrial, which is your your area, has remained one of the strongest asset classes um, throughout. And uh, what would you say has challenged your thinking or business strategy in leading through the global crisis? I will say that the pandemic has uh, certainly imposed for us, uh, as it has for many businesses, uh, enormous challenges. We're a global business operating in over 55 countries. We do have a big presence in China. We 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 had a big presence in Wuhan. Um, uh, obviously, that was the the, the first hit. Um, so. Uh, in addition, as this uh, as this pandemic hit, our customers really hunkered down. You know, we do business with 95% of the Fortune 1000, and our customers hunkered down. They sent their employees home, and initially, we saw a big drop in activity. And what what is that activity? That's the activity of calling back records or tapes uh, from our facilities uh, to them to do their work. So the employees are all uh, sent home. The uh, service levels uh, uh, drop, but it opened up opportunities for us in terms of the expanding part of our business on the digital and digitalization part. In addition to that, the pandemic opened up uh, opportunities for us around the globe to store uh, PPE and also to do fulfillment when hospitals really were buying supplies uh, from all over and wherever they could get it. They certainly don't have the capability of receiving all of that and putting the kits together, but we could do that. So uh, all of that opened up uh, other opportunities. Second, uh, for us, a big challenge for us is we have a very large essential worker population. These are the frontline people. They are entering the workplaces of others with our uh, shred business, as well as our record and tape drop-off and retrieval, uh, as well as the PPE storage being delivered then to hospitals, et cetera. So keeping them safe was really critical uh, to us and assisting um assisting Iron Mountain uh, with our global buys of uh, PPE that we needed. Well, finally, to get back to the the beginning of your question about industrial markets, this is also um, an uh, an area that that we focused. So right now, the the market is so strong that we made a decision um, and we took it to our senior management to take advantage of the historically low cap rates in the sector and recycle capital by selling and leasing back certain assets. And in fact, right now we have a national portfolio of 13 assets on the market. Um, 
that will close before the end of the year. The money that we bring in from these sales will go towards fueling our data center business, which is on a very high uh, growth trajectory. Your entire career has been in commercial real estate. Tell, can you tell uh, us why you chose commercial real estate and your profession in particular? What was it about, you know, what guided your uh, career path to where you are today? It, let me start by saying that, you know, I grew up with a, uh, a mother and father in a very small town and a sister, very small town. Uh, my mother was a lawyer and that was really, really not, uh, not what was normal at that time. Uh, she had been, she, she had been the only, um, only uh, female lawyer in her law school class. And uh, she was for many, many, many years, the only female lawyer in the entire county where we lived. Um, my dad uh, did not go to college. My dad was a high school graduate who uh, eventually became an independent insurance agent for Aetna Life and Casualty and had his own um, business. And so we grew up in this small town where my eighth grade class in public school had 13 kids. And uh, my mother's practice was small town lawyer, a lot of real estate work, uh, a lot of uh, wills and, uh, and uh, things like that. But a lot of real estate work, and my dad was on the uh, the board of the local savings and loan. So a lot of the dinner conversations were around the sale of real estate in town, the the housing that was being built, the mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. So you have that kind of backdrop, and uh, and then I I I always thought I. I had this vision of wanting to be like an architect. Um, but in my high school, and I'm going to date myself now, but in my high school, girls were not allowed to take mechanical drawing. That was, re- or shop either. That was reserved for the, the boys. And it wasn't until I was a senior in high school that that finally changed. And at that point, I was able to take, a, you know, an architectural drafting class. But I had not had um, all the kind of prerequisites before that. Anyway, I, 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 I didn't know any architects, really. Um, I, I came to Boston University as an undecided major. I really didn't know what I wanted to study. Um, and uh, to make a long story short, I happened onto an economics class that I kind of fell in love with and uh, decided to major in economics, which I did. So after, while I was in law school, uh, I'm not sorry, while I was in uh, in college, I was thinking about, um, I took a lot of different stuff, but I decided that the way to go would be become a real estate lawyer. And uh, so... Uh, my uh, mother passed away between my junior and senior year in uh, in college, so she actually never knew that I actually went to law school. Um, but I did apply to law school. I got into um, uh, to Cornell, and I went to law school at Cornell with the intention of being a real estate lawyer. And uh, I worked in my summers, and then. Uh, decided in one of those summers that I was working that I it seemed like the 
business side of real estate would be much more interesting and appealing to me. And so that made me think that, okay, I have to go get a job after law school, I'll go work in a, a law firm uh, that has a big real estate department, and then eventually get hired, um, eventually get hired by a, uh, a developer, because that's all I kind of knew at that time. And then I had this epiphany happen. Okay. And that epiphany was that and this really, really changed a direction for me. Um, I was in my third year of law school, which I have to tell you, I really did like law school and uh, have found it incredibly useful in my career. But I was in my third year. I was sitting in the library and a friend came up and said, hey, did you see this? And there was a little column in the Thursday real estate section from the Wall Street Journal, and it said, MIT is starting the first master's in real estate development in the country. And um, that's all it said. And it said tuition will be $14,000. So when I came up to Boston to interview with law firms, I went to MIT, I spoke with the people, I got the information, and I decided that I would apply and that that would give me the opportunity to change my trajectory and be able to um, get into the real estate business much faster than if I had gone to work as a lawyer. And so that is what I did. I finished law school, obviously, took the bar, passed the bar, and then started at MIT and got my degree there. Wow, Sarah, that's quite a story. I love it. I love that you you kind of each part of, along the way that you kind of had moments where you said, "Oh, well, this may be ba- you know better for me," or this. And and I will tell you honestly, uh, I, I when you said that you uh, fell in love with an economics class, I thought, "Boy, economics and I just we tangled a lot over the years <laughs> in college, and we never fell in love." So good for you. But but I love that you've gone through all these transitions, and again, it speaks to your lifelong learning, the love of lifelong learning that you even though you went to law school and you got your law degree that you still value and, and plug that into what you whatever you've done along the way um and and now here you are um using all of those the, all of the things you probably learned from boston u to cornell to mit it's like you're the whole package there you've got it all <laughs> but don't you think that all it all comes in handy right you've never not had something that you needed in your arsenal of knowledge from all of those not that you can't keep learning but you know what i mean i i think the thing wendy is is how you look at every situation that you're in and if you if you look at whatever it is that you're doing at the moment as an opportunity to um learn something, an opportunity to improve something, an opportunity to make an impact. Um, I, I just don't feel like there's any any interaction or engagement that can't move something forward. Do not waste that. that that's sort of how I sort of how I feel. Every opportunity, um, it, you know, every engagement is an opportunity to, uh, to to move something forward. That's sort of how I, I I think of things. So for me, 
you know, going to uh, seeing this thing about MIT, uh, you know, re- resisting, in, and, and I did, and I didn't feel like conscious resisting, but being able to say, um, uh, I am going to get uh, all the value out of this law degree that I uh, that I spent three years doing. I'm just going to do it in a different way than the people that are going to go work as first year associates in a law firm. I, I am going to use it, and I believe me, I use it every day. I it's how I. It's how you dissect the problem, how you think about things, how you can anticipate problems uh, and it, way ahead uh, and set things up so that you don't have problems, how quickly you can go through a document and get to the, the, uh, the heart of the matter. So it, it was really, it's really about feeling like you're you, not feeling boxed in, not feeling like the choice that I made in step one and two is now going to determine my path forever and ever and ever. Yeah, that's great advice to, to keep that uh, open mind, but also what you said um, earlier about every situation, every interaction is an opportunity to learn. And if we approach things that way, that we're going to keep building that knowledge and and have that to walk away with no matter what. So one last quick question for you. Um, you know, as a woman who's been in this industry a long time, and I'm sure has you've seen a lot of change. Uh, when you look at the future of women in the industry, what do you see? So um, I see opportunity that to, to me is like opportunity with an exclamation point. So, um, uh, it, you know, for me, I, spending the first 10 years of my career on the what, what I would say, the development side, investment development side of the of the business, uh, again, taking a a a a leaper, if you will, into the corporate real estate side at Fidelity or put me on like another whole different, uh, different track. And I, I, I feel that um, this is how I, I guess I would say it. I think the people need to be intentional. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean that you have to have a plan when somebody says, well, what do you want to be doing in two years? And what do you want to be doing in three years and four years? But really about a plan about how you want to be perceived in the world. What is it that matters to you? What what values and, and needs do you have to be fulfilled as a person? Okay. If if one of those is to be financially uh, successful, you should know that. You should own that. If one of those is about being viewed as a thought leader in your industry, you should know that. And then, when you get clear in your mind about what it is, you know how do you want to be perceived in this world? Then you need to take steps every day in every interaction that are consistent with the vision for what you want to be and how you want people to see you. You have the power to make that happen. And again, I get back to every interaction, opportunity to move closer to that goal or farther away from that goal. Every interaction is an opportunity to advance your agenda or not. So you 
you need to understand those um, uh, those uh, connection points. And I'm going to give you one quick quick example, and that is this. Uh, people that present at conferences, so let's just say the, the, the crew conference, where you have a process where people are um, are thinking about, hey, kind of what's next, what's for the what what's in the future. I I want to uh, uh, share what it is that I've uh, learned with others, etc. If you're a person who wants to be perceived in the industry, for example, as a thought leader, somebody who's really thinking about kind of what's next, how do things connect, what are new trends, etc. And you 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 say, well, okay, well, I, I need to be out there talking to people about this. I need to be presenting at a conference, et cetera. But the conference is happening in September and the due date for the proposals, which all have to be reviewed, is back in January. So many people will just say, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to do it in January. I just, I'm not going to do it. But, the, but if you're really being intentional about it, you will figure out how to make that time because that step is consistent with this desire that you have uh, to be viewed that way. So I think there's there's a piece of that that's important. And I think for, for women, I, look, I am not going to say that there is not still challenges and discrimination that happens. I've, I've lived it. I could tell you stories about it. And, and examples about it. The most important thing I think is that we have to we have to go into a situation assuming good intent. First, we have to go into a situation assuming that we are going to be listened to and assuming that we're going to be heard. Because if you go in the other way, you will you will make the other situation happen. Well, Sarah, I thank you so much for sharing this, your perspective today. Thank you for sharing your stories and your great insights and advice, because I think so many of us need to hear that to stay true to ourselves and to formulate our plans and move forward. Find the silver linings. uh, Be curious. Be a lifelong learner um, and know that every situation is an opportunity for you to take something away that will help you advance, grow um, and do more for yourself. And just really a pleasure to hear you talk about your journey. Um, So thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I have to say one of the best things I ever did with crew. And I will say this, and hopefully it'll it'll make it on the on the air. Is uh, serving on the search committee that brought you to uh, to crew, <gasps> Sarah. Thank you so much. That's I I really appreciate you saying that. It has been a great four years, and I cannot say enough about how much uh, how passionate I am about the work that we do, and how thrilled I am that I ended up here um, with the organization. So thanks to you, and it's it, you and the entire search committee have a special place in my heart. So thank you so. Much. All right. You have a good day. Thanks.